0: Welcome back to Coffee and Commas, where we hope to empower student writers by sharing all of our favorite tips and tools. This is Professor Chandler, and I'm hanging out today with Professor Parker, and we have a treat for you. Today, we're talking about grammar. Oh,
1: I thought it was like a real treat. I mean, yeah, (laughs) grammar.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. so when when you hear grammar, what comes to mind?
1: Boring, hard. Lots of words and rules. Rules. Yeah.
0: Yeah, a lot of people think rules right off the bat when it comes to grammar. Um, and this is why it's a really hard sell for us as as instructors. Come on down.
1: You can learn grammar for 19 <laughs> 99 Today only. <laughs> we'll throw in sentence dissecting, right? There
0: you go. Actually, oh, I'm not a big fan of sentence diagramming. Um, I mean, I remember learning some of that in school. Mm-hmm. I never once used it in college. Um, that's not to say some folks are not teaching it in there that might mm-hmm. be happening. I tend to take a little bit more of an organic approach. Uh, I do think it's important to know you know parts of speech right.
1: and where they fall. Where they so fall. as usual, you're the creative grammar teacher and I'm like the order. Well, Put it in a diagram and that way I can see the order and it, it's a me. light bulb. so
0: okay. I, I pretty much stick with SVO.
1: Subject verb object. That's okay, right. Good. Subject. I thought verb, that was like EVO, object. like the oil. No. Extra you? virgin oh. olive oil. No, oh yeah. Oh oh yeah.
0: All right. So I'm gonna give you a quick quick background here. Uh, grammar actually, um, I don't know if you know this, but it it has a, a history with the root word grimoire, which is I wish we
1: had music, I'd totally cue like that. Hey, like the skeleton laugh. Oh. Yeah, that that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, so a grimoire is a book of magic spells and this is kind of common like in witchcraft and things like that. So, uh, I think if grimoire and grammar have the same root word, then maybe grammar is
1: magic for your writing. Maybe. Right? (laughs) You can do magic. All
0: right. So I want to talk a little bit about grammar and why it's both important and overrated. Which is Overrated.
1: That yeah. coming from an English teacher. It is. It is. Wow.
0: So I'm going to start. I'm gonna wow. Start, <laughs> I'll start with the latter. I'll start with the fact that, um, you know, there's a lot of debate about grammar and whether, you know, I guess maybe our rules are too strict with grammar. Mm-hmm. And when we start looking into the history of how language is put together, we can see that we naturally put together you know, words in a grammatical sense for most, most of the time. The problem comes when we start saying, well, no, this rule is better than that rule,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: Mm-hmm. And I think that there is definitely some validity to that kind of mindset. Because here's the thing, if you pull out anything from Shakespeare, uh, especially in his original manuscripts, the dude is making up words all the time. Right? Like, he's literally making up words. Right, right. Uh, and, and and we do this, too. Right? Like, right. I was talking with um, my friends yesterday about being bougietto, which is like <laughs> being bougie and ghetto. And
1: That's so funny, because I made up a word this week, too. Yes! And, and I don't remember what it was, but... Yes. But I convinced someone it was a real word. Right, uh, right. Because I use my argument skills.
0: So, but the thing <laughs> is, is we know if I'm talking about, if I say I am bougietto, I am somehow creating an adjective, a description.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right? Right. That's very bougietto of you, right? Well, and
1: all words tend to come somewhere. And they come from, from somewhere. somewhere right, right. But
0: we know immediately putting in into context, the way that I'm throwing that word around, I'm making it use, uh, I'm, I'm making this you know, word fit into a particular context. That is grammar. Right. Even if I make it up, you know, no one knows that I'm talking about being bougie and ghetto at the same time. You know, like <laughs> this means like I'm putting this. This is Colleen, y'all. Like,
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is what is it? Bougetto.
0: Bugetto. Bugetto,
1: the capital of Bougetto. It is,
0: it is. We're a little bougie. We're a little ghetto. It's, it's what okay. what? It works. But um, Forget about it. <laughs> but we can play around with this word and we can come up with these words. And and Shakespeare did this all the time. And and we do this all the time. Like uh, you know, I mean look at Facebook. Do you want a friend to friend me? Now we're all of a sudden making this word a
1: verb. Right. Right.
0: You know, now it's in action, but before, friend would just be a noun. So we're constantly changing language. So is like. Yes. Do you like me? (laughs) I like you. Thumbs up. (laughs) But we're constantly playing around with language. It's changing over time. And as a matter of fact, like, we didn't even really have these rules until, you know, 1800s. 1900s it starts really getting really interesting yes yeah, so as a matter of fact Shakespeare didn't even spell his name the same way right because we were not always writing as much down at the point or there wasn't that um, I guess you know we, we didn't have a set standard because most of the time it, what didn't have a big public audience we weren't publishing so our notes were ours so we're going phonetically as long as we know how to read this because it sounds like this then oh this is the word right Right. so we have so many changes of of spellings and all these documents before and once we get into publishing we're like you know we really need to kind of make sense of this because you're spelling shakespeare's name eight different ways and it's like (laughs) i can make up my own name right i can make it up but um so we needed some kind of consistency within publishing and because the reading audience became much broader Right. Right. So we start having spelling rules and we also needed to start adding punctuation because before we didn't have any punctuation. How do you know when to stop? How do you know where this is a pause? All right. these things help the readers. We shifted from being more of an oral tradition to being a written tradition. What, and now Why was to that? This. What
1: happened in the world that changed that?
0: Well, I mean, publishing right. and, and literacy. We moved out of the dark ages, right? Well, that and, and we now also now easy. had
1: some machines that could take care of some of the farm work. So right. we had a little more time. But even right?
0: before then, we had yeah. the monks sitting there with their illumination and copying everything out. True. You know, because we did start moving to the point where education no longer belonged to the elite and right. it was starting to trickle down to the masses and because it was people, power yes the more education people, was power education is power right it is power
1: sorry i used yeah. the wrong <laughs> i used the wrong verb tense <laughs> you went, woo, yes, woo, woo, woo. i'm gonna argue <laughs> that it's I, a... that was my narrative my personal narrative yeah. in the past
0: <laughs> so we want to we want to look at you know, grammar with this kind of understanding that language is constantly changing. Um, But that said, we do sometimes need to have some rules, right? Right. So we get into this thing called prescriptivist and descriptivist. So- That sounds bougie. It is. (laughs) (laughs) Not bougie ghetto, just straight up bougie. (laughs) So here's the thing, a prescriptivist, if you think about this, um, it's like writing a prescription, these are the absolute rules. Right. These are the rules for grammar and anybody who does not speak eloquently and punctuate and use the proper mechanics is somehow, you know, not part of this class. Right. Right. These are the rules of English. You can't break it. The comma can only go right here. You can't make up a word like Goujato. Oh, that's ridiculous. Right. <laughs> Those are prescriptivists. This is the language. If it's not in the dictionary, you can't use it in Scrabble. Right. Right. Um, so but a descriptivist might be more interested in how language is formed and changing. Uh, the ways we're using slang. Uh, And I think we are moving more in that direction now uh, in our culture. Now, some of us have older English professors who've been teaching for a very long time, and they have been taught a prescriptivist rule Mm -hmm. because this is how they were taught. And this is how they were trained in pedagogy, how to teach these certain rules. And now, as we become a little bit more modern with research and how languages uh, coming together, especially, I think, with our influences of all the dialogues and uh, uh, dialects and our uh, global interactions with people, mm-hmm. we start seeing how language n- doesn't stay the same. Right. You know, we're always breaking the rules. And how can we get right here into this one little spot and say that this is proper English? Right. Right. So.
1: Except that we do have to have some uniformity.
0: I think we do. I think. and I might tell you as
1: a, as a teacher grading something that doesn't have a uniform is really hard
0: I do and I think that's where we need to decide
1: yeah we have what to.
0: topics are most important right now I will say I think yeah I would consider myself for sure a descriptivist when it comes to grammar right
1: creative of course. I am
0: I am and but I also think that sometimes when we're talking about grammar and we're having these certain rules and um, it's a way to keep other people down. Sure. It's a way to denigrate. And mm-hmm. we do this, and, and you know, I've talked to you about this a little bit before, but this was one of the areas that I studied uh, in a class called sociolinguistics. And that is essentially just learning how society talks to each other and how uh, you know, we might decide or discern whether somebody is a certain class or what region they're from based on the dialects that they're using. Right. And I think I appreciate dialects. And I appreciate diversity with language. And the problem with becoming prescriptivist is to say that one dialect is above another, and that all of a sudden everybody's going to speak with you know, a Midwestern accent, and that becomes the standard American English. And those of you guys that are speaking with a Southern drawl, who are drawing out your vowels, who are Putting words together like y'all and saying folks, which if you're in my class, you get that all the time, but <laughs> I am from Texas. <laughs>
1: hey, y'all and yeehaw,
0: right? And Yes, but hey, y'all, we all know exactly who we're speaking to. Right. That's, you know, no different than someone in Jersey saying, hey, you guys, you know? Right. But those are dialects, and I think we do a great disservice to our broader culture when we try to homogenize. Sure. And say only our Midwestern <laughs> Nebraska You know, accent is going to be the standard American English, and all of you other people who live elsewhere are somehow beneath us. Right. Right?
1: Well, and the other part of that is you've got to concentrate on one or the other. You're going to concentrate on grammar or creating and content, you know. So if you have a choice, too, you're always going to want better content than all the right dialects and
0: yes yes i do i think so but here's here's something i i talk about in my classes i think when we are in conversation with people we are allowed to break the rules
1: or Well, we do them. we do break we the do, rules for all sure. the time
0: and that's the difference the difference between how we write and how we speak mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i i think if as long as we can learn to what they call code switch learn to, you know, it's almost like asking yourself to be a little bit, uh, bilingual, like how to work in one environment of spoken word and how to work in another environment of written word, especially when that written word is outside of a creative context, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean you can write down song lyrics and poetry and write stories and dialect and all that's perfect and beautiful and that's great. Um, but when you're writing an essay or a resume, Or, you know, sending a professional email to someone you really don't know and they may not share your dialect or (coughs) all of that. Then we want to make sure that we are kind of switching over to that more professional writing. So this is where those rules are really important, right? right? Mm -hmm. And I think what is so cool about learning grammar and punctuation is they do create magic with your writing. You can slow your reader down. You can speed them up the way that you're writing shorter sentences or longer sentences can draw them in and make it more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, You are casting spells over your paper and over your reader and engaging them. And we know this because we know good reading or good writing when we read it, right?
1: Right. And
0: Mm -hmm. when we see something that's terribly written or just thrown together and it has background, we're not drawn in. Mm -hmm. It's not casting the spell. So grammar is magic. If we learn to use it properly, <laughs> right? Sure. Right. That's I've cool never,
1: time. I've never really thought of it no, that yeah, way,
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, so back, back to maybe I guess like why it matters. Um, it's because it provides clarity.
1: Right. Right.
0: Right. So when you're within your your subculture here in the South. Like, I mean, people know when I said, bless your heart, <laughs> they, they know right. exactly where I'm coming from or if I'm with a friend and I'm like, bless her heart. We all know <laughs> the subcontext of that. Like, one right. is, is, oh, I'm so sorry. The other one is like, girl, do she, you have She on? crazy. She yeah. is nuts. Yes. But we know this in our culture, but if I write it on a piece of paper, like, it means right. nothing. And this is where... You know, when we're playing around with language when we're speaking, we have these extra tools that are outside of the grammar, mm-hmm. like inflection and the speed with which we speak. We tend to speak much, much faster than we right. write. We're or- crashing words into each other and making contractions um so this is this is normal we're speaking in fragments and you're picking up on what i'm saying we go back and forth but when we're in writing we lose all of that right <clears throat> you know i can write good morning on a piece of paper and that good morning is going to be very different than the good morning you might hear from me right well and
1: the reader also takes their own experience and applies it to what you've written exactly. so it's a Heinz 57 of what you're going to get, right? Yes, yes. So if you say good morning and I've had a good bad morning, I might be reading, well, why is she saying that so sarcastically? Yeah. Rude, yeah, right? Yeah, so yeah. We bring our own meaning to it as well. So exactly. adding all that together, we have to have some uniformity to keep it kind of on is, a level.
0: And this is where, where grammar is kind of cool. So I am going to talk a couple of the areas, I guess, um, that might be the important rules that we do want to get down okay right or maybe some of the tricky ones do you have any what are your trickiest
1: grammar well you know i used to get tripped up on grammar but then i started using grammarly.com so every (laughs) time i messed up it calls me out so i i think that seeing my mistakes have made me stronger so okay I don't I don't know that I get tripped up on anything sometimes on some punctuation things I've gotten mm-hmm. tripped up mm-hmm. um you know in academic writing you really shouldn't use um gosh I just lost what I was gonna say but you shouldn't there there are oh, rules of things. contractions yeah. is one and then um, I
0: disagree with that yeah. I, I disagree with that. Yeah. I think that's a prescriptivist rule and right. not a descriptivist.
1: It's really rule. hard to write without a contraction. I you try know, to do that even when I'm writing out content.
0: I think it's ridiculous. I don't know mm-hmm. who made up that rule. And this is where we get into those things where we have these debates about grammar and what's acceptable and not acceptable. There's nothing uh, grammatically incorrect with writing a contraction. Right. It's right. not wrong.
1: It's it not is wrong. a word. If you have
0: your apostrophe in the wrong place, then that might be wrong. But, right. um I think that's just ridiculous. Right. That's ridiculous. And that's probably more of a, a classist move than it is about proper grammar. Right. So there are some things I'm going to probably have a different view on. Now, you may have, you know, a 65-year-old professor that's going to be like, why are you not writing out cannot, you know, right. which, I mean, you're probably thinking, because I never say cannot,
1: I think, <laughs> right? Or like, do not, Yeah, <laughs> did just, not.
0: To me, I read it, and I'm like, why am I, why am I reading Should this not. in a British
1: yeah. accent all of a sudden? Because... I don't know. <laughs> 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 because I tell my students, when you're thinking about writing academically, think about like you're talking to the queen. You're talking to someone really <laughs> important. So you're not going to use all your slang and your draw and uh, all of that kind of stuff you're going to use exactly what we're talking about, you know, correct English, right. correct parts See, of graduation. And
0: that's the part that I struggle with because, in that, to me, is where we get to that homogenization or saying that yeah. one is valued more than the other. And this is like <clears throat> my, I guess, personal issue with grammar and grammar rules. I think grammar rules should definitely be put into place when it can lead to a misunderstanding of what you're writing about. Right. You know, so if it somehow interferes with the meaning, then we definitely need to make sure, like if you're writing run-on sentences, your reader doesn't know where to stop. You need to use the punctuation, right? <clears throat> right. But I am perfectly fine with knowing cannot and can't are the same thing. I do not elevate one as above the other. I don't know why we do. Um, right. I think, in my opinion, it would be a way to denigrate people who tend to you know, migrate towards contractions. Um, the same way, like, with dialect. Now, I wrote a paper in in my undergrad on how we denigrate Southerners in their speech, right? right. And we do this all the time. Uh, well, bless
1: your heart. Bless your heart. <laughs> well,
0: but, I mean, for us, like, we don't see anything wrong with our Southern accents. And um, even though most of the time I try to, I cover it. I cover it. You know why? Because I'm in academia. And it is right. kind of. Looked down on. Yes. But if I go home, it's off. If I'm mad, oh girl, like, <laughs> there's no. The, I cannot filter words and slang and dialect at the same time. But, so you get
1: angry in southern right? <laughs> I get angry right? in
0: southern. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so but here's the thing: like we have somehow decided that southern dialect is stupid, lower. Yes. I mean, look. Oh my gosh! It, like, okay. So I have five kids. We watch a lot of Disney. And if you look at the film Aristocats, Uh right? uh These are like bougie cats living in (laughs) Paris. But when they go to the junkyard in Paris, the dogs have southern accents, right? I mean, all of a sudden, even the junkyard people in France now have a southern accent to show that they are of a lower class. You watch Cars, you've got Mater. Nobody else around Mater has a southern accent. But the one who's going tractor tipping (laughs) has the southern accent. We do right. this over and over again. I mean, Beverly Hillbillies, um, Honey Boo Boo, Duck Dynasty. We love to make fun of people right. from the South and somehow allude to that they are lower in education or lower in status.
1: You know what the great thing about people in the South are, though? Hmm. They don't care if you yeah. make fun of them. They still going to be <laughs> right up who they are. Well,
0: and this is one thing I love about like Flannery O'Connor. She would write about intellectuals you know like she would make fun of it this woman had a master's degree and some of the best writing in our american literature canon comes from her and uh and she's making fun of this intellectuals but i mean not just her but several writers from the south because there is i mean i guess this idea of the southern pride where we really just don't care Mm
1: -hmm.
0: we don't want to be like everybody else we're completely comfortable with our you know our dialects, and we know we're not stupid. Mm-hmm. But it is frustrating that it is denigrated to me. And it's frustrating <laughs> um, that we have somehow decided that some other region is better at grammar than we are. So right. that that irritates me. I'm fine with using contractions. That's a silly rule. Right. Uh, where you need to put a comma and a period, that's not silly. Punctuation really matters. Um, making sure that I can make sense out of your sentence is important i'll give you an example um groucho marx has uh this great line he says one morning i shot an elephant in my pajamas how he got into my pajamas i'll never know right <laughs> so this is great because he we're seeing the problem with grammar right you know and we can read this in two different ways wait a minute why is gram? why is the elephant wearing pajamas and <laughs> Uh, even though we know that's not what he meant, was now we're messing around with, you know, modifiers. Right. And essentially a modifier is going to clarify a word or a phrase. Right. Right. And But we get in trouble when we start modifying the wrong words. Hmm. And so the, in that sense, it doesn't matter if your pajama is from the South or not. <laughs> um, but uh, we want to make sure that we're, we're using the, the proper grammar. and This is where it matters, because this right. is when it starts to interfere with meaning. Right. 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 Okay, so here's swimming in gravy. I gave the pork
1: chop to my dog. Right? So why were you swimming in gravy? Exactly,
0: that's weird. So, so weird. I'll that's wait. a lot
1: of gravy, too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and this is, like, one of the things you can tell you're messing with the modifiers here is because look at the subject that's coming immediately after it's I, mm-hmm. right? So this is when we have a problem. So, you know, you'd want to kind of flip this around a little bit. I gave the pork chop swimming in gravy right. to my dog. So mm-hmm. now now we're modifying the pork or chop. And the, me. the dog ate
1: the pork chop that was swimming in gravy.
0: That's right, right. So so that part matters. That matters because mm-hmm. it makes it makes the sentence clear. So those right. are the types of grammar rules I'm definitely a stickler on and mm-hmm. why we need to study things like modifying you know and dangling modifiers and things like that um what about you and me and you and I I love playing around with this one (laughs) when do I say you and me and when do I say you and I
1: you know I always learned it to um if you could use me or I without the you or something Mm -hmm. like that am I saying it right yeah I mean, I know you're a stickler on your grammar rules, so I want to make sure I'm saying it so, right. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: in this case, it matters. Yeah. And um, even though we break this rule all the time in speech, yeah. and this one tends to be one of the most overcorrected because people are like, oh, I have to say my friend and I, my friend and I, my friend and I. And so we've been taught this right. rule. We've been drilled it because this is what the upper class says. Right. Right. So we tend to overcorrect it even when it doesn't need to be corrected. And that's, mm-hmm. I think, kind of, you know, uh, it, it shows how messed up our grammar is. Right. You know. Right. But here's here's the actual rule. Uh, if I say, hey, do you want to go to a COVID party with me?
1: A COVID party? Those are dangerous. <laughs> I, ain't, but I ain't scared of no COVID. <laughs> I'm just
0: kidding. <laughs> I am. I'm actually really not going. <laughs> As I record this from my kitchen table because that's I'm right. not leaving my house. That's right. Um,
1: We're uh, hunkered down. <laughs> We're talking to y'all from the hungered down place.
0: But here, do you want to go to the COVID party with me? Makes perfect sense. I'm talking about me. So when I add in a friend, do you want to go to the COVID party with Mariah and me?
1: Makes sense. It's going to be fine.
0: But a lot of people would say, do you want to go to the party with Mariah and I? But you're not going to the party with I. You're going to the party with me.
1: (laughs) I mean, I hope you'll take your eyes, but.
0: So this is this is where we started getting into trouble. So right. one thing I would say is just cut off whoever else you're inviting and see, are you going with me, are you going right. with I? Right. Right?
1: That's how I fix it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because it'd be really weird to say, you know, me going to the party.
1: <laughs> Unless <laughs> okay. you were a Frankenstein or a caveman. Right, right. Me going to party, right? Right,
0: but hey, we get that. He's a lot, use <laughs> that mess up, and new. we are. We're <laughs> playing around with grammar. We're like, okay, hey, that's wrong, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Do we, but we understand is, what he's saying. And this is this is something I think is important. Like, um, as the writer, you have to make such an effort to be clear on paper, mm-hmm. but your reader has to also make okay. an effort to understand right. you. And this is the one thing I think we get into this problem where. Um, the slightest little mistake, people will be like, oh, I'm going to interrupt whatever you're saying to correct you. And and I think that's rude. I'm never going to just correct someone's grammar unless it's my kid. <laughs> 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 I probably will. I probably will on my kid. But for the most part, I'm not going to correct other people's grammar when they make a mistake because I'm making too much of an effort to understand you right. to care that you use that word. You know, instead. I've
1: noticed this a whole lot as we've been teaching remotely. You know, I, yes. I think I'm being super duper clear, and I'm laying it all out there. And so either I'm not clear or my students aren't trying to understand me. Mm-hmm. And so there is, theres there's got to be a partnership as we Yeah, the burden develop. of understanding
0: follows on both of us. Right, right. Right. But when you're turning in for a grade, I mean... You're
1: the one getting the grade. You're
0: being graded on how right. well you are upholding your side right, of this. Right. And when you're trying to publish in something bigger, which I hope you consider. I hope you consider. No one really ever talked to me about my writing has an audience larger than my professor. Your ideas are important enough to share beyond your classroom. So the things that you wanna share with people, this bigger platform that you have, you do wanna make sure that you are being as clear as you can, right. right? So this is where those rules come into play. Right. All right, who versus whom? When do we use who and when do we use whom?
1: Whom just sounds so bougie. It is so bougie. <laughs> I I, I like to hear it, but I, do I don't too. always know when to use it.
0: I, I think I think whom is going to be on its way out. You do. I do. I just yeah. because no one uses it in, right. in its context anymore. Um, so here's here's the rule: if we can say he in response to the question, okay. then we're going to use who. If we can say him in response to the question, okay. then we're going to use whom. Okay, makes sense, right? So. Uh, Who left their hand sanitizer on the counter? He did. Right. So who? You wouldn't say did. That's weird.
1: Well, unless you're a toddler.
0: Or Frankenstein. Right. (laughs) So so, uh, to whom does this hand sanitizer belong? It belongs to him. Okay. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's the difference between who and whom it's.
1: Whom just sounds like Shakespeare to me. It is so weird.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we take these things out. We used to have more formal words, Mm -hmm. and... You know, this is part of that descriptivist thing. Language is constantly changing.
1: We had whom, but we didn't have bougie. I mean, which, <laughs> one, which one you want? I mean, the bourgeois. <laughs> which actually
0: the bourgeois. That's true.
1: We did have the bourgeois. But the
0: bourgeois was middle class. It wasn't what we consider now. Like when we like Cardi B is saying about being bougie, she's talking about being fancy. But right. that's really, well, I guess bougie is kind of like fancy slash, I think it should be bougietto. Like right. it's like you know I don't
1: got much but or I don't have much sorry yeah <laughs> I don't have much but I'm still cool. Wait, well, I mean right. it's That's like I am
0: wearing my you know Gucci shirt and asking for a discount. That's right. bougie.
1: Right. <laughs> right. And my Walmart jeans. So,
0: yeah, it is, is an appeal to fancy, but also kind of known your limits, maybe. Right. But but bourgeois was middle class. And, and this all comes back from, like, the early French, right? I can probably tell bourgeois is a French right. word. So we have, like, before we would have, like, the slaves... The serfs, we right. the ones had power and royalty. Right. Right. So let them eat cake, right? <laughs> yes, yes. And so there was no middle class. So, in an effort to exercise more power over serfs and not quite be where the royals are, you know, people kind of invented this bourgeois middle class mm-hmm. society. So, bourgeois is actually middle class, but words change all the time. Now we hear, oh, wow, you're so bougie. You know, we're thinking. You're so fancy. You like everything sparkly and shiny. And, you know, um, so that's another way that language has changed. I'm to say bourgeois most of the time. Right. I'm writing poetry. I
1: don't even so. know how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have to get a spell check on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So it ends in an S. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's why people say bougie I can because see we that. can figure out how to spell
1: bougie or we can make it up. <laughs>
0: right. We make it up. Well, I mean. Yeah, you can only make it up for so long until people are like, you're spelling that wrong. Right. Right? I mean, look at the controversy over, is it a GIF or a GIF?
1: For sure. Right? Right.
0: I mean, when you make things up, then all of a sudden you make are And how
1: is that different than a JPEG? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? I just like.
0: Well, apparently, like, a JPEG is acceptable everywhere. But if I say GIF in my house, my kids will be like, it's a GIF. It's a GIF.
1: Because GIF know? is a peanut and butter. Like,
0: who made this up? Who got to decide the rule? Right. Right? So but here there yeah. we go. Yeah. So all right, we've talked about dangling modifiers, we've talked about who and whom and me and I. One last thing I want to talk about since we're like on our theme of Frankenstein and grimoires, <laughs> how about passive voice versus active voice?
1: Yeah. I get that's what I get stuck on in writing.
0: Yeah. People do this all the time. So here's <clears throat> here's my my quick tip. If you can add by zombies at the end. You're probably writing in passive.
1: Because zombies are dead? <laughs> Is that why? No, because, okay. <laughs> listen, the
0: car was stolen.
1: By zombies? By zombies.
0: Right? Right. That's passive. Because I'm talking, I have the emphasis on my object instead of the emphasis on my subject. So okay. it's stronger if I say, the zombie stole the car. Right. Right now, I have my subject is coming first. If your subject is coming at the end, you're probably writing in passive voice. Now, there's also debate is passive voice wrong? Well, in some places, maybe. Yeah, active voice does tend to be better writing, uh, but it doesn't mean that better to never- who. Yeah, well, I mean, it is yeah. stronger to say the zombies stole the car versus the car was stolen by zombies, you know? Like, right. I don't know. I mean, we, we get the message either way, but one is definitely a more direct uh, and, and more active voice. It's, and it's, it's also
1: more concise. You're using it your is. horse very well. And that's something I think new writers struggle with in, right. the, in an effort to, like, Make sure they're communicating. They use 17 words. Right. When you can just the use two. You messed up the study. Or, right, or, right, you know, right. I don't no, need well. to know all that. Yeah. Just give me the
0: subject. Who messed up the study? Just tell me directly. <laughs> right. So um, you want to have your subject first, generally. Now, sometimes it's okay for passive voice, uh, especially if you're doing creative writing. There are times where it just sounds weird to try to force it into active voice, but if you can, if you have a choice to not have zombies hanging out at the end of your party there, <laughs> go ahead and invite them, have them come first. Whoever wants <laughs> to have
1: zombies at your party? Uh, okay
0: who wouldn't want to have zombies at the party is I think probably Yeah
1: the oh okay.
0: All righty guys, I hope uh, I hope you see a little bit about grammar and why it's important, some of the debates going on around it and maybe as you know a scholar, why you want to start checking it out. Yeah. You guys have a good week.